0: Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at the buglepodcast.com.
1: That that bit's important.
0: I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray.
1: And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents
0: the Anime Effect. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back.
1: You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
2: Hello and welcome to Catharsis, the show where I provide therapy for my guests. A chance to talk about old grudges, petty grudges, unpopular opinions and other people's problems. Get it off your chest and into my earlobes. This week I am joined by comedian, writer and host of The Mush Report, Rachel Paris. Hello. Hello Rachel. However, before we get into your gripes, let's get a quick one of mine out of the way. This is my annoyance this week. Let's do it as a letter. Dear anyone in the US writing cockney characters for TV and films, we do not say twat. For the love of God, please make it stop. If you must throw in a twat, like, or a right fucking Herbert, or an absolute toilet or a shithouse, twat makes your character come off like a hundred mile an hour I always wonder if the actor in question says, Oh, I don't I don't think a British person would ever say that. Or does everyone just go, it's it's fine. <laughs> like, I know for that example that I'm talking about, I think there's an Antipode in playing. Cockney so they might not know but I I just feel like like the other week an English person in Emily in Paris uh said sidewalk and I was like he's not saying sidewalk he's saying pavement rue or at a stretch boulevard maybe maybe (laughs) but it's it's such a small thing but it really takes me out of it it makes me suddenly aware that I'm watching not watching that character how do you feel about it Rachel? Well I you you talking about that like there's
1: the words that you wouldn't use. And then it reminded me of another thing that irritates me. And I'm glad you've asked because the other question, I couldn't fit it in elsewhere in the show, is bad accents in TV and film and on stage. That would be all right if it wasn't for the fact that they've been allowed to do such a bad accent because of a fear of asking the talent, in inverted commas, to do their job. Like you just get the impression <laughs> you're watching someone like, you know, the
2: like the boys. Well, that's the that's the twat. That's the twat reference. Oh,
1: is it? Right. Yes. So, yeah. you know, Carl Urban in that has got like yes. an outrageously bad uh, Cockney, pretty, accent. Uh, Cockney accent. accent <laughs> that's so bad. And I just feel like and it hasn't it hasn't really improved enough over the series. So no one has gone to him. We can't start filming until you do better like you have to have multiple accent coaches and when that happens you're like I just get the impression no one's said to like they're scared to ask things of them no one's said like this isn't good enough like you you, ha- you haven't yet fulfilled your contract you've got to learn to do this accent because of this attitude of like you can't ask things once someone reaches a certain level and I hate that whole attitude it drives me crazy.
2: And is it part of the audition process is it like a must for this character, or did they see him and go, "I think he would be great doing that"? Because the performance is great, but the accent is shocking. So how do we? So they either go, "What well, I don't? Why don't we just make the character Australian? He might not be yes. in the." Was, sorry, not Australian. He's from New Zealand, isn't he? Yeah, I think he might be. And that'll be right. fine. Like, I know it's not exactly the same, but that'll be okay. Yeah, I've watched some of the hard men in Australian and <laughs> and and Kiwi kind of thing. So he could do a version of that. Or what What fascinates me is that, so you, you haven't got uh, a British actor playing the part. That's fine. But you also haven't got someone from the UK like consulting on the script. Because yeah. twat is just not a word. We just don't twat. We twat no. about, we don't twat. And I think Jason <laughs> Statham says it in Spy and I'm like, What's happening? <laughs> why are you consenting to say that word, Jason Statham? You you're you're genuinely like yeah. why boy British. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah, it's um it's baffling to me. I've never understood it. And, and I wonder if when production starts it's too late. Um She says, I mean, I did an American accent on something and I was so conscious of always like trying to to, to be on it and I would do it in the makeup chair. I'd just sit down and do the voice because I was like, I'm so afraid of slipping up and I just know if I've warmed up, and been in it for like a couple of hours yeah. before then I've I've got a much better chance of but I had an accent coach and stuff like that as well so I yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. I feel like don't be afraid to say that is the job the job is can you do the accent if the job exactly. is can you do the accent you've got to do the accent <laughs> like decide
1: how important it is to you if they can if you really want that person and they can't do the accent then don't make them do the accent and if the role relies on the accent then don't cast that person I I also get it with like you know um very uh i don't know if locational is a word but like locational programs like peaky blinders and sherwood like the bbc thing about the nottingham minor strikes and because i'm east midlands i was absolutely uh on the lookout for because east midlands accents remain i think like one of the rarer ones to get right uh on tv and in both Peaky Blinders initially they had people doing like Liverpool accents and (laughs) general Yorkshire and in Sherwood as well like the main characters you got over it in time but like the main characters who it says in the script they're Nottingham born and bred doing like broad Yorkshire accents which are nothing like the Nottingham accent at all. Honestly I was really enjoying this really incredibly high quality award winning drama but just every so often I'd turn to my husband and just say the sentence they'd said but in a Nottingham accent.
2: (laughs) (laughs) like this is what it should be and this is how it should sound yeah well thank you for agreeing with my beef uh let's let's get straight into one of yours the first section of the podcast we call old grudges yeah and uh this is something from the past that you either wish you'd handled differently or said something or that you still hold a little bit of resentment for
1: so i used to work in arts administration the day job um And one of the jobs was at uh, the Barbican doing like music uh, concert planning and stuff like that in their admin department. And one of the guys there when I left, so I worked there um, probably about six months and it was lovely. Uh, And the lady who was my boss, Fran, was so nice. And um, all that time I was like doing comedy, uh, you know, uh, and teaching as well afterwards so like doing a bit of piano teaching after work and then i go and do comedy at night so it was a busy time it's when I was just starting my comedy career and I've been doing comedy I reckon um by that point maybe a year a year and a half and I was leaving I resigned from this uh arts admin job to try and find to find I'd found a part-time job so that I could do comedy easier and I made the mistake of saying that's why I was leaving. And there was this particular guy who was really arch and sarcastic who worked uh, in my department who was like just really sarcastic about it when I left, like really like, oh, you're going to do comedy okay good luck (laughs) Um,
2: I don't find you
1: funny translated yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah and I'm not I'm not funny at work like I wasn't funny at work at all but like he was just so mean about it but I kind of got a little bit of revenge already because I did I don't even know if he knows this so maybe I didn't but I went one year later do you remember the um I did. I was in the Hackney Empire, new actor. Oh yes, I remember final, that. Yeah, but it got held at the Barbican. Oh wow! <laughs> so it was quite. It was quite nice. I emailed my boss, hoping that she would pass it on to him to say, like, it is working out okay. Like, um, it wasn't a horrendous mistake. <laughs> <to leave. laughs> Do but you even, think people like that? Like, I encountered a lot of a lot of that. Like when it's like impossible to believe that you that someone who has got a normal job. Is also capable of doing another thing. Just the sarcasm
2: involved, the scepticism is horrible. I think it's often people who are afraid to go for their dream. Yes. Yeah. So I wonder if there's a small part of him that was like, I think I'm quite funny. And then all of a sudden, it's just such a threat to have, um, you know, and the, the low grade sexism within it as well of kind of going oh, there's this woman in my office. I don't think she's funny. What does she mean she's doing? Oh, she's doing well enough to leave the job and I'm still here. Like, I really wonder if that was his underlying... What did he do at the... Oh, I suppose you can't say because that might be a bit too...
1: Well, I can say he was was senior kind of booker at the Barbican. So he had like a good job. It was kind of... It was creative and, you know, he really curated a lot of the things at the Barbican. So I think he felt like... Oh, you're saying no to working where I've chosen to work, or he yeah. just he just couldn't believe that this
2: this young girl like also did comedy. I don't know. As, uh, taking that as a personal slight of someone going, oh, I'm moving on is like it's like it's put him into a tailspin of going. Well, if this is good enough for me, why isn't it good enough for you? Or yeah, why why should you think there's anything outside of this? Which is which is wild. We often get people saying stuff that's happened at work. I guess because work is one of the places that you can't choose your colleagues. Yeah, and you are forced to see them every day and then just sort of get on with them. Yeah, I remember when I was my first job leaving school, I had to like swallow down. I had a woman who, and it was a woman that who you didn't finish that sentence. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Do, everyone's, do, like, do. everyone's like, "Do we need to get some kind of sexual harassment?" <laughs> I guess that charm? My God, <laughs> swallow down comments and and actually, it was a woman. Yeah. It was a woman who worked there who every day would would like be like just sort of pass remarkable on the length of my skirt, like it was a personal affront to her. And I was like, "Can I tell you how old was I when I started working there?" Seventeen. 17, 18, so that she had a real... And then one day I got hauled into um, HR and the HR director was a woman yeah. and she was like, I think it's a real issue with the length of your skirts. And I had like a knee length skirt on that day. What and the I hell? Said, yeah, yeah. You're living in Victorian <laughs> times. What? I think I was just young and just kind of like, you know, I was working in the post room. So I was just, I think I was just young and just a bit giddy, but they were like this young hot woman how can we how do we make her less hot and annoying for us yeah so I was like who's you know I know there was one woman who was always complaining but I, I just didn't understand you know whether uh, why it would affect her what I was wearing in any and way is, shape or form it's is true isn't it that if you were um
1: an older uh you know not a hot young girl but like yeah. an older woman I suspect they wouldn't Probably have the temerity, but also perhaps the
2: cause to haul yes. you in and say you can't wear a knee length skirt slightly above the knee skirt. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't even, I guess there would be the thing of like, if I was being objectified to then go and say the men are being a bit gross Yeah, around this girl. But there's a kind of victim blaming in that of kind of going... Well, she shouldn't be, you know, I wasn't turning up in hot pants. No. I was wearing suits and like summer dress, like I would wear like a floral dress with like a, it was the 90s. So it was, you know, it was the late 90s. So that fashion was, um, it was like a lime colored blazer and a floral dress and mules or a skirt suit. Yeah. You know.
1: I do remember actually, this is a weird one, but um, actually a a play that I did that was improvised um one of the cast members who was a young woman got told by the director who was a, a sort of older man um that she was too casual casually dressed um and it wasn't <laughs> provocative it was like you're too scruffy which I don't know I don't know that it was it I don't think it was sexism but it was odd it was re- we were all like what <laughs> it's a, like we were play the the improv like roles that we were playing were like young people kind of living their lives kind of thing you kind of and obviously lots of different characters because it was improvised so it was that was a really strange one it was the first time I think I'd encountered really kind of since school
2: being told what to wear like in real life and it, an enforcement and- of a dress code
1: yeah in a sort of really surprising and, and slightly vague way, she was like, "Oh, I'm. Uh, I, don't know what to wear then. I think I look fine."
2: Well, I wonder if your boss, your old boss at the Barbican, sees you now on TV with your award nominations and a I book. I doubt it. I bet he doesn't remember. He probably doesn't
1: remember. He just, I don't. I bet he doesn't connect like that girl with with me. I would, I would think.
2: I think there's a thing of sometimes being casually dismissive and cruel that the person saying it just has no memory because they say stuff like that all the time, but yeah. how much that can drive a person on to a success. <laughs> Thank you for being my fuel is probably yeah. what we should say. Yeah, to be fair. Thank you for sharing. No problem.
1: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times
2: The next section we call topical cream. We like to encourage our guests to bring a topical news story. Now, it doesn't have to be like topical in the last week. It could just be something that's being discussed at the moment in the zeitgeist or a thing that that annoys you. So hit me up. My topical complaint is very topical. It's hot right now is
1: the childcare situation in the UK, which is very topical because all of the... Charities, you know, for parenthood are currently protesting, um, led by Pregnant Then Screwed, uh, about the fact that childcare is so
2: expensive that you can go to work and make a loss. Right. It's all just gone up again, hasn't it? A lot of the fees have gone up for places. Exactly. Yeah. So it's all it's all
1: blowing up now. And I think that a lot of action is being taken. I'm definitely like already and I haven't hit key childcare time yet. I'm just at toddler age. But like, already uh as in i haven't got hit nursery fees yet yes <laughs> but like yeah. scrambling between uh child and stuff but like um already i'm doing me- most gigs making a loss once you count in a babysitter so it is um it is absurd and it's so even though marriage is more equal than it used to be and it's not always a hetero partnership it still impacts women Statistically, much more. Um, and so it impacts women in the workforce and has this knock on effect, you know, in terms of uh, representation. So there's that. I haven't found the humor in it yet. I'll try to.
2: <laughs> I think stop bringing your kids to work day. I think people are going to start <laughs> doing something once everyone starts turning up going, Oh, actually, I can't afford to come in to do my work and get a childminder or take the kid to nursery. So they're just going to be here. <laughs> yeah. I heard, my friends told me
1: about, like, um, they, they've they got a gym near them that has a free, so it's not a workplace, but it has a, has a free creche. So you can just turn up and bring your kid, do your workout and leave again. But I feel like surely there's something in that, how difficult it would be to provide, uh, depending on the size of the company and the size of the building,
2: like some kind of like... Some companies do have creches. And I think that's right? not a bad idea as well, because it does mean that you can kind of check in. <laughs> Yeah, at lunchtime with your kid or you can be, you know, um I think some hospitals and stuff have that sort of facility available for people just because you know, if people are on call or working crazy hours, how are you going to I mean, like with our jobs, you know, it's feast or famine, you never know. Yeah. A friend of mine did a filming job recently, here's an example. And again, this isn't funny, but she had to go to Ireland to do a, a, a filming job. And she was like, oh, I've got to find someone for my daughter. She's like two or three at the time. And she was like, it was like three or three hundred pound a day, I think, uh, because of the filming hours. And then it's about finding someone that you trust enough to. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then the production go, we'll give a part of it, but we're not we're not paying for all of it. And then that's when women then get which is the pregnant and screwed exactly what they're campaigning against where they go, well, we'll just hire someone who's not a mum."
1: because
2: yeah. we don't want to pay this extra cost. Exactly. Yeah. On the production. And then that also the trickle down for that is and this is again where it gets like even more difficult is they will provide those accommodations sometimes within our career if someone is a huge star. Yeah. They're like of course we're going to make sure that can happen for you. But if we do if they're doing it for them it means all of the smaller stuff down the line. People are less likely to, you know. So, women who've had babies who are like, oh, I work and I'm, you know, but it, uh, uh, perhaps not the marquee name.
1: Yeah. But I've, I I was telling you in the dressing room the other day, wasn't I? Yes. A gig, yeah. Like that, you know, even when you feel like not a big name star, but that you reached a point where uh, you can ask for basic human things like, I gave birth four weeks ago, I'm bringing my newborn baby in. 'Cause I've got no choice, because that's when you're filming. Can I have a room with some heating and any food or tap water all day and they're not providing that and you have to beg for heat because the room that your four week old baby's in is freezing. Like these things are still not provided. And and you ask and I asked for them in advance, but and someone some and what happens generally is someone in the in the huge Industry uh, team of like a hundred people goes yes of course obviously and they mean it they go yeah of course we'll provide that my like, god yeah of course we will we'll be delighted to provide anything that you need um and then you arrive on the day and there's nothing and that's I think that's very common that there's the the message isn't passed down it isn't it isn't valued as an well, important thing
2: yeah and then that is why women feel devalued in the workplace I hadn't even realised I think until Catherine Ryan mentioned it uh maybe on her podcast that you know why women stay silent about being pregnant for so long cuz she was like they don't want to take the risk on the insurance so you just stop getting more work as a uh, you know as a pregnant yeah. woman you know you're like in a situation where you're like oh i can't it's just easier if, if we just get someone who's not pregnant and Absolutely. you'll never know about that conversation cuz no one is going to directly discriminate yeah in that way because everyone would go this is shocking But actually, that's the kind of discrimination that happens behind closed doors. They're like, just give ourselves an easier time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's harder to spot like, you know, in I I suppose lots of different jobs, particularly in our industry, because comedians are relatively interchangeable. You're just booking a lineup for a TV show or a gig. It's very easy to just you don't need to disclose your reasons for going. I'm going to book this person instead of this person. So it's really easy to do. Yeah, I saw that. That was really interesting. Catherine Ryan's post
2: about about lying about it and why you absolutely would of course you would yeah and even when you're like eight months (laughs) in the room going I'm going to stand behind a very high desk for this bit or have a bunch of flowers you see them do it on tv shows where in acting where it can't be explained that the character you know it's not in the storyline for the character to be pregnant what I find amazing though is how long it takes uh a lot of
1: people um, to dare to suggest that you might be pregnant. I remember doing a radio show where I was the only woman in the room, as is often the case, and uh, there were five uh, kind of older guys there. And I was eight and a half months pregnant and I was big. I was big eight and a half months pregnant, like, and... Um, it was so obvious. I was wearing a dress where it was incredibly obvious. we walked in, <laughs> no, one, no one said anything. And I was like, oh, all right, well, we hold your congratulations, why right, don't you? And then one of them, um, Fred McCauley, bless him, like he was the only one, he went, oh, Rachel, congratulations, just in a really nice, normal way. And only then, because he popped the bubble, did they go, oh, I didn't want to guess. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> congratulations, that's lovely. I wasn't sure. And I'm like, oh my God, like you've
2: seen, <laughs> isn't a normal shape. like if I put on weight it wouldn't be here like <laughs> it wouldn't be coming from just underneath my just boobs just there to, and nowhere to else. To, <laughs> yeah I, I had a very big meal guys that's what yeah. happened you know <laughs> just went in a way it's kind of quite sweet but it's also weird it's also weird because you do want to congratulate I think women feel less nervous but maybe men have that slight thing of like i don't want to get this wrong yeah of course maybe you've got to go in ankles first and go have a look at this
1: <laughs> <laughs> check, check these bad boys out what do you make of
2: that congratulate me on these incre- incredibly thick ankles <laughs> time to move on to unpopular opinions so this is something that you love that everyone else hates or vice versa uh can be an item an idea a person whatever you want the idea of don't feed the
1: trolls i think is nonsense mostly or at least it's not always true
2: don't leave the trolls hungry is that what you're saying well i think everyone who has been uh,
1: trolled online um is very often told just ignore them just block them it doesn't matter it's just a handful of it's a handful of you know renegade guys in a base which is not these days it's absolute nonsense like trolling these days comes from completely public figures no shame there's no it's it's it, sometimes it's anonymous sometimes it's not sometimes it's uh, a boy in a basement sometimes it's a 75 year old woman like trolling is so universal and ignoring it is not the solution it used to be it was the solution when it was like it was you know like 10 years ago maybe 15 years like it was a handful of people doing this but it's so huge now and it's often just people who are angry with you for disagreeing with them or i had an experience recently like i just did a literally this is all that happened so you know hannah cooper joel Dommett's wife um she did a a video talk it on instagram just saying um Oh, I can't get on board with North, South, East, West. Like, I can't cope with North, South, East, West's directions. To me, like North is just ahead. Yes. And it's funny. Yeah. She's she's she's, her and Joel obviously do a comedy podcast, and she was basing it on how she does feel, but obviously exaggerating a bit of a comic effect. And I literally commented underneath, as did many other women, um, and and men, completely agree with Hannah. (laughs) And I got I think nearly uh, 800 uh, <gasps> replies. What are these people doing? From the mostly the US troll misogynist guys. And it, they started off just going, what are you talking about? Are you joking? And I was like, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. it's my job. All <laughs> we, well, the here. Someone put, oh, well, good luck to you when you find yourself in the Pacific Northwest. Um, <laughs> furious at the idea of someone ignoring directions. Uh, and then they became... Um, Uh, You better not have children anytime soon, Um, like using really nasty language and oh, wow, like just women, blondes and all of that. And I think you can ignore the point. I'm not saying responding helps. It can. I've had apologies on Twitter. If you if you respond in a useful way, you can get people to see another point of view but that's a bit renegade but i think the idea that it goes away if you ignore it is nonsense like they just kept pouring in i was on a list by that point and hundreds every day hundreds and hundreds
2: and you ignore them it doesn't make any difference so feed like them. a Literally. like a like a bot like yeah. a, like someone like your name's come up on a board somewhere and gone that's Let's... it that
1: definitely happened
2: i think i did a live one on instagram yeah. uh, once and they just started pouring in and like taking over the comments and i was trying to chat to the audience watching the live, but they just all jumped on. Yeah. Um I, I always used to say I treat the comment section like I would the Portalou at Glastonbury. Don't look down because it's just turd upon turd. Um <laughs> so I think it's quite hard to find the um diamond in amongst the because you know sometimes someone might have something that you that is nice and pleasurable and that you do want to engage with. Um, I had to stop replying to people because my husband was like I remember I was one Saturday night and I was arguing on Twitter and my husband was like, it's like they're in the room with us. Just stop. Mm. And he's like, okay. it's Saturday night. I want to relax. And I've got, you're getting upset and I'm getting upset because these people are being hurtful to you. Yeah. And that's what I try and do is I'll try and reply if I ha- have the time to engage and I can do something funny. Yes. that I just kind of get a bit of a, or it's so egregious yes. that I'm like... I'm going to have to... Uh, but the uh, pro- the problem is, I suppose, is that once you do engage, then it's just kind of... And I've done it sometimes, especially on Instagram, it's just diminishing returns of... I've got it on some of my Men She Wrote videos where someone comes in and goes, women talk about men like this all the time. And I'm like, they don't. That's kind of no. why the satire works. Yeah, um, And then I'll get, uh, you know, it's not funny though, is it? And then you get into this... What's always amazing to me is that... And it's always a man... Uh, that thinks his subjective opinion is somehow fact and there's a confusion between going this is not funny and I'm like you can say I don't find it funny but you can't say it objectively isn't when there's hundreds of thousands of people that have shared like one of my clips I was like that's been shared two million times by people who find it funny yeah. So you saying it's not funny, but try to, and sometimes I do want to challenge those because I'm like, you do have to understand what you're saying, that what you're saying is incorrect. Yeah, um,
1: I only challenge the ones that I think there's a little ray of hope in something they're saying that they might have a small element of reasonableness in them. But and that's often the minority. But there's sometimes just something that I'm like, no, I think you genuinely if I explain something that you have got wrong you might and occasionally it has occasionally happened but actually these guys on instagram to give you an example what you're saying about like stating things as fact they were putting um stuff like that i was like this is not it makes me want to reply territory but i won't was uh about oh you're so it was all about how thick I was. It was like you're so dumb, my god! These women, these blonde women, so dumb. have you never did. You even pass school, um, go to school, like learn some stuff. And I knew that if I'd like replied and gone anything about like no i've had a strong education actually like, <laughs> actually that's not a thing people say about me is that i'm undereducated? that would just they just go in the opposite they'd be like oh well then the standards are slipping or like oh i oh, i knew it like it means nothing then your education means nothing there's no winning there's no to win. be had you never be had.
2: win no i actually wrote a uh, toxic bro playlist <laughs> um <laughs> for twitter because one of the other ones that comes up a lot is um didn't happen that's on the toxic oh didn't happen yes didn't happen so I shared a story on there about a a woman being wound bothered in Starbucks because they were refusing her coffee and like I shared beat for beat and it was like didn't happen this never happened and and there's a lot of that of like this has never happened to me therefore it's never happened to anyone ever yeah you know I've never given a woman an orgasm. Therefore, <laughs> they don't. It's often have like them.
1: fully believable scenarios as well. It's not even out of the way scenarios that they're like, yeah, that didn't happen. It's like, yeah, yeah it's very, it's very believable. This happens all the time.
2: Oh, here's mine. Uh, track one. Let me explain your joke on the toxic bro wow, playlist. Yeah. Uh, two. You ought to seek my approval. These are all just general troll points or I've repeated offence. Yeah, yeah. One that I was getting a lot. Bear in mind, the comment I made, this recent
1: one, was simply, I agree with you, Hannah. Uh, and the number of people who put, you're obsessed with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you th- You think you're so important. You think, you, like, that. that thing of, like... You said yourself,
2: these self-obsessed celebrities.
1: Self-obsessed these famous yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Another good one. This appears to be your area of expertise. Let me give my input. Mm. Um <laughs> that's another that's yeah. another track on the list. Um uh, well thank you for sharing uh your unpopular opinion. No props. This is the section of the podcast we call Oryx to mean prehistoric cattle, to mean old beef. Nice. <laughs> Old Beef. <laughs> we touch upon a historic beef. Now, this week, the one I've picked for you Rachel is because I I think that you might have a similar fascination around this topic as I do, as in fascinating and weird and kind of like the Kardashians of their of their era, which is the Mitford sisters. Uh specifically for this beef, I wanted to look at the um fallout between Decca, Mitford and Unity and Diana Mitford. So it's very much uh, communist versus fascist, um, as it turns <laughs> out. So the reason that I I wanted to delve into this is because they've a lot of the Mitfords have written books and then there was Nancy who wrote Pursuit of Love and Love in a Cold Climate and stuff. And Diana, who ended up being married to Oswald Mosley. Oh, that one, yes. Yes, yeah. So, um, and... The other sister, Unity Mitford, who basically sort of became close friends with Hitler. So would go over to Germany quite a lot. And when the outbreak of war happened, she actually actually shot herself. The bullet missed and sort of just mentally incapacitated herself. Oh, my God. But just kept saying Hitler said I had nice legs. One of the things that she could remember was that Hitler, she was fully on board. That's why when war broke out that she did it and she was brought back to the UK to to convalesce you know um but uh decca then i think married like a a communist would would do etchings of hammer and sickle and stuff in the house wow they really didn't have a middle ground did they no <laughs> <laughs> no it was one or the other and then i think i think this was a was an uh, an ideological uh, disagreement that they never got over The reason I wanted to talk about it, I suppose, is like, are you a sibling, first of all? Yes, I am. I'm the youngest of... You're the youngest. I'm the youngest. Several. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Of course we are. Of course we are. (laughs) We're the babies. (laughs) We're the babies. But just the idea of being so ideologically opposed to someone in your family and how that sort of falls out. I wonder if it strengthens either side of the argument, whereas actually, if it wasn't a member of your family, whether you'd be able to like kind of separate it like and interestingly these aren't the ones that are artistic because a lot of the times when we're talking about these sort of arguments or debates like it was oasis versus blur the other day there's some kind of argument for the competitiveness increasing the art or, or or making each other better but this is wild Yeah, that is absolutely crazy. And I think it's interesting
1: because I think the ideological differences happen very often between generations. Like everyone's mum and dad is often a bit different ideologically. Yes, yeah. But for it to be between siblings, I think is more unusual. Like, so me and my nearest brother are very similar ideologically. Yeah. And very different to our parents. So right. that that feels that feels OK, because that feels quite normal, if you know what I mean. Like, it's yeah, you're uncom- supposed to rail against. <laughs> yeah, you're meant to rail against like the older, you know, the older ideas. And uh, in turn, my kids will think that I'm awful. God, mum. Oh, all Mom. the wrong words. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think when it's when it's siblings, that's a bit a bit more awkward, a bit more it feels perhaps a bit more intentional like I'm not going to go that way but then if your sisters are fascists then it is going to be intentional isn't it it's is going to drive you
2: quite far the other way yes i think i think diana got diana and oswald got a, a arrested just when war broke out they didn't go oh actually now that war has broken out we disagree with him or we think some of the ideas have gone too far they were just they were just fully with it i just i wonder if like Sibling rivalry is, is you know, prevalent with Prince Harry's book coming out, kind of going, you wouldn't believe it. Like we were fighting and wrestling. And I was like, I can believe it. You are brothers. <laughs> That's <is> quite normal. <laughs> it's quite normal. So there's always going to be some jostling for position. And Harry's in a family where the jostling for the position can never really happen because the position is taken. You're either yeah. next in line to the throne or you're not. So then all the other fights have to be about, can I if I can't have that, maybe I've got to win the scrap in the kitchen or, you know, and how gracious do you expect your sibling to be? I overheard one of those Royal commentators, you know, the guys that just,
1: what is their job? Who just live to go on the radio and say, what? Talk about how marvelous they are. Marvelous. Yes. And everything and how devoted William and Kate are to the cause. And, um, he was commenting on all the Harry one of the many Harry revelations of the last few months, and he said, um, he said, "Is there any sight worse in this world than that of two brothers fighting?" And he was like, "Yeah, nearly all things, like <laughs> two brothers fighting is really normal. and even if it's bad, like war." genocide yeah a tsunami like I think there's loads of worse things than two
2: brothers fighting have you not heard of the bible mate I'm going to assume yeah. you've heard of the bible plague of locusts yeah, <laughs> yeah. but Cain and Abel were like the, that's as tale as old as time right yeah. is two brothers to be fighting like the idea that this is shocking and that it shouldn't be shared because you know brothers don't do that of course they do if I had two sons and they didn't fight ever in their life I would be concerned yeah Yeah
1: There's no sight worse In
2: this world Oh those people <laughs> amazing And also I imagine those are the same sort of people That went, If you've got any interest in celebrity culture Like what are you doing And you're like But how is this any different You're obsessed yeah. with a family That aren't yours yeah. And knowing the minutiae And the details You might as well be watching Keeping up with the Kardashians <laughs> I mean talk about sibling rivalry That's a whole other episode <laughs> Yes on its own thank you for coming on the podcast Rachel you've been an excellent guest thank you before you go I just wanted to check if there's anything you wanted to plug because I know you have a book out
1: I do um I have a book out and it's coming out in its paperback form uh on March 23rd it's called advice from strangers and if you haven't bought it already then you can buy it now cheaper than it was before uh so yeah it's in all good bookshops
2: And uh, check out uh, where Rachel is playing live uh, on your Instagram, Twitter or website. Where's the best place to get you? Probably on Twitter or Instagram, yeah, which is at Rachel Paris or at Rachel SV Paris. And you can go on and tell her which way north is. Yes, please. Uh, (laughs) I hope this doesn't invite more trolls. That's all (laughs) I'm saying. Uh, I'm on tour. So go check my website, tiffstevenson.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you.
0: You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, Catharsis, Tiny Revolutions, Top Stories, and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott.